Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million, and this is a podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. And this is just your friendly reminder that if you would like bonus content from us, such as extra episodes or access to a Discord server, you can come join us over at patreon.com slash name three songs for all that fun stuff. Jenna, do you want to tell everybody what you've been up to this week before we get into what we're doing today in this episode? You guys, the timing is perfect. I got to see BTS <laughs> twice. At the time of recording this, I saw them last night and the night before last night, and it was amazing. All my dreams come true. I can't believe I saw them in the flesh. <laughs> I flew to LA for this. I spent dollars, okay? I flew to LA. I got an Airbnb. Like, dreams come was true. Was this the first time you felt like a fangirl since the One Direction era? <laughs> probably oh my god wait okay so also because bts got to la like two weeks early they went to go see harry play at the forum or like three of them went to go see harry play at the forum and everyone was posting videos on twitter and i was dying because it's like i was such a one direction fangirl as a teenager and then like 10 years later to see like my new favorite (laughs) boy bands loving my old favorite a member of my old favorite boy bands like they were going off to like what makes you beautiful and i was like I was ascending, man. I was very emotional then. I was very emotional at the concert last night because they did four nights. Last night was the last night. And they were just very emotional in their speeches and being like, you know, it's been two years since we saw our fans. We didn't know when we were going to be able to see you guys again. And we don't know when we're going to be able to come back. But everyone was so grateful and happy. And it was just amazing and beautiful. And I wish that everyone can have their fangirl moments too. I love this full circle fangirl moment for you true when we started this podcast i did not foresee this in our future but i must say some of you listeners converted me to bts that in a combination of the need to understand k-pop so we could talk about this on the podcast and the combination of pandemic and like kind of not really having a job for a minute over the summer gave me extra time but i do give credit to some of y'all listening you know who you are it makes sense though when you love a boy band that never leaves you it's just funny because jenna and i were texting about this the other day and i was like wow can you believe that this dumb idea i had ruined your whole life it did no it made my life so much better you guys (laughs) you don't even understand you don't understand But Jenna seeing BTS and having her fangirl moment actually makes everything make even more sense for who our incredible guest is going to be today. So Jenna, would you like to tell everybody what's happening today? Today we are talking to a very special guest who is another Jenna. And this Jenna is Jenna Andrews. She's a singer, songwriter, and producer originally from Calgary, Canada, now living in New York. She's written and produced for a ton of artists, probably including a lot of your faves. I know my faves, BTS. She's worked on Dynamite, Butter, and Permission to Dance. She's also worked with Noah Cyrus, Lennon Stella, Little Mix. And she also co-wrote Benet's Super Lonely Song, which was honestly such an incredible song that totally popped off on TikTok last year and constantly gets stuck in my head. 
The thing I love about songwriters is they're so famous without being as famous as they should be. And I feel like that would be my ideal way to be a famous person is like get to be involved in all these really cool projects. But like only people who really care know who I am. So I it would be like really the perfect way <laughs> way for people to care about me because like randoms will leave me alone. But if anyone stops me on the street, they genuinely love what I do. <laughs> Oh my God. Wait, that's so true. Um, (laughs) The dedication. But songwriting is like a super (laughs) behind the scenes aspect. I mean, you could say the same thing for like music video directors or like, I don't know, marketing people. I don't know, something like Mm -hmm. that where it's like assistance to the stars or the artists themselves where like songwriting is, you know, so important and such like a crucial part of what we enjoy every single day. But a lot of people don't know necessarily who writers are just because they are behind closed doors i feel like that's pretty cool because also it kind of feels like you have this really awesome secret that's not really a secret when like those songs come on the radio and people are talking about how amazing they are and you're like yeah you're like it's a hannah montana moment (laughs) (laughs) the true dream and i mean obviously we had jenna on because our missions align within a lot of what we're passionate about, about the music industry, as well as the fact that she got her career started on MySpace, just like I got my career started on MySpace. Indeed. My career is a fan. We could not have an episode without mentioning MySpace. So here we are. If any part of the timeline took place by 2005, MySpace will be mentioned no matter what. It, it has to be done. It's, a, it's the gift that keeps on giving. It truly is. So in order to really be in the thick of it with music, Jenna moves to Toronto, Ontario, which is also in Canada, because that's like a very big music hub. I feel like most singers who we know from Canada came from there. So like Carly Rae Jepsen and Drake, who are both friends of hers. She's even worked with Drake on one of his songs called You and the Six. So clearly that friendship stood the test of time. No matter how big Drake is, he always comes back for his friends, including the people from Degrassi, which is still one of my favorite pop culture things that always gets brought up over and over again. But yeah, so in 2008, Jenna signed with Island Def Jam by L.A. Reid. And L.A. Reid pulled the we're signing you right now, close all the doors situation being like, you're going to be the biggest star in the whole world. And people don't usually get signed this quickly, like men like to do to young girls who don't understand how the music industry works. Yeah, it's the big hype them up and treat them like a superstar and make them believe so many things and make them think you're giving them everything they want. And so she signed the deal with Island Def Jam and she put out a single and an EP and Three albums that never saw the light of day. And so she ended up going more into like the songwriting and producing field. And in 2016, she announced that she had signed as a songwriter for Sony ATV Music Publishing. And she started doing like A&R consulting also. She signed Lennon Stella as an artist to the label. She also continued working with others like Noah Cyrus, as I mentioned earlier, Lauren Haregi from Fifth Harmony, and songwriting with others like Jennifer Lopez, Jesse J, Tori Kelly, and Lily Allen. And then in 2019, Jenna announced that she was working with Barry Weiss on a new publishing group called 27 Music, which she has been doing ever since and has brought us so many lovely hits of the past years, including Dynamite and Butter. Honestly, for an unexpected career trajectory, I think that it's incredible where a path of kind of sadness of being told your music's going to be everywhere and it just not to working with some really incredible people and continuing also to make her own music whenever she can. Like, I feel like she's truly 
truly accomplished so much. And on top of this, she also has a really incredible podcast called The Green Room, where she brings on prominent female artists and they discuss their mental health as well as their careers and how the two work hand in hand. But as well as that, there's always a third guest on the podcast who is a professional in the mental health field. So therapists, scientists, etc., and so it was a really incredible step forward in the mental health advocacy fight within the music industry and just within the world of making it clear to people how important discussing mental health is and being open and honest about what you're going through. And yeah, so she's definitely doing incredible things with the hand that she's been dealt in the music industry. And I could not be more excited that we're getting to talk to her today. I think it's also one of those things where it's like, if you're trying hard to be one thing and life is like, nope then it points you in another direction. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that it's like you're realizing your true potential and like following the path that's meant to unfold how it is. And so I think she's definitely like a great example of that and really honing in your skills and not necessarily limiting yourself to just one thing. So yes, this is a really wonderful discussion. We're really excited to have Jenna here. So let's get into it. Hi, Jenna. Thank you so much for joining us today here on Name Three Songs. Of course. So excited. So we're going to just jump straight into things today since everybody just got a rundown on your whole music career. So I'm curious to know about is like since the songwriting and production fields are both very male dominated and a lot of times when young female artists or just female artists in general go into writing rooms, they're filled with older men and they don't really have that much of a say on the writing process if they are invited in. But we've been seeing a pattern lately of a lot of these very successful women in pop coming and being like, I want to learn about the production process. I want to learn about the songwriting process. I want to do this myself. Like Ariana Grande over the past couple of years has been very outspoken about this because it seems like they're trying to prove that they're like, not prove, but like that they feel like the world's told them, like you have to prove that you're a quote unquote true artist. And right. if you don't have a hand in that pot of creating the music you're singing, then we don't trust you as an artist. And so as a female songwriter and producer yourself who works with a lot of young female artists do you feel like it's important to teach them the production and songwriting side of things so that they have the tools in their belt so that way once they are working actually as an artist they can be like hey my voice is the most important one here we are writing for me absolutely I I actually wish that I knew that before when I was coming up as an artist just because it's like you know a lot of times you spend so long on the detail of a song right so it's mm -hmm. like, you know, there's so many different ways to consider production. So for example, like even vocal production, right? It's like, that was a way that I got into it because I love harmonies. I love arrangements. So I was doing it naturally, but I just didn't realize that you could actually monetize that or have that be something that that's a value, you know, and, and obviously the experience of doing it too, because you realize how much the arrangements and the vocal aspect and how you put it together contributes to how the song is going to sound ultimately. Right. And so there's that. And also like in terms of production, it doesn't always have to be like, Hey, the guy, the, you know, we're saying guy now, it is mostly guys, but a lot of times down to be like you're the one engineering or programming doesn't necessarily mean that that's the production you know what I'm yeah. saying so it's yeah. like hey like to be able to say oh I hear the kick this way or I hear the snare this way or I hear the toms this way or I want this string part or I want this chord played or this is change this chord to that that's production 
you know what I mean? So that's a lot of times hard to communicate when you're, when you're trying to fight as a woman in this business, because yeah. they're like, oh, well, you were just there. You didn't actually program it. You didn't do it, but yes, you did. You know what I mean? Because if you think about it, just because somebody else is programming, it doesn't mean it's their creative idea. So that's a lot of times where I think young artists get afraid to speak up. Because mm-hmm. as, as much as it's their ideas, they also don't want to feel like trampled on or maybe their opportunity to release a song or the powers that be that are most often males will tell them, oh, well, you're wrong or sit down here, whatever it is. They're afraid that that's going to make it harder for them to release their song or have success. And that's the main thing. So I think I'm always trying to encourage that because for me, especially now, that's been something that I completely stand on all times and I want to you know I try to have for me now coming into these situations is like I try to make it known that that's a massive part of what I do and I think that if you take control in that sense then it definitely is something that people respond to especially now it's like it's a different climate than it was 10 years ago you know yeah (laughs) doesn't mean it's easy now but it's easier I mean how early on do you think that you personally in like your journey realized that this was something that you should learn and would be a helpful skill for you to have? Well, I was signed to Def Jam, an artist for 2014. And then the first project that I worked on, these artists, Magic Jordan from Toronto, I really played a big part in like the vocal production, executive production and the songwriting. And I think at that point is when it clicked. And I was like, oh, wow, like this is, I'm really contributing to the point where like, as much as it wasn't for my own artist stuff, I realized the value of things that I brought to the table were. So now coming into making an artist project or obviously advice that I can give artists, now I can take that and understand what my value is. But it, it wasn't until after I left my first record deal that I figured that out. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, going off of that too, so as we mentioned, you work with a lot of young female artists and you've mentioned in the past in your interviews how important it is for you to kind of be that mentor, help guide them through the industry and even yourself getting into it so young and not necessarily having the industry background or know-how or all of that. It's so easy for young women, especially to get sucked into bad deals or not necessarily know what they're getting themselves into industry-wise. And so in addition to just, you know, songwriting and production, do you feel like there's other things that like young women go going into the industry should be aware of or know so that they have like better shot at succeeding yeah I mean okay so you know it's funny because I think a lot of it is like trial and error in terms of like actually having to be put in that position so the advice would be to be able to stand on what you believe in you know because ultimately what I my biggest regret especially being with my first record deal is to always kind of be a yes man and you don't have to be that way. And I think as a woman, that's so much more common because especially as a young female, you just feel like, like all of these older guys are telling you what to do. And that makes you feel like, again, going back to what I said before, it makes you feel like if you don't say yes, then you're going to affect your release schedule or whatever it's going to be. Right. You're just going to think, okay, well, if I say yes, I'm going to be better off. But I think now in retrospect, it's always better to say no, because there's so much more power. People don't think you're weak. So even if it does the first time, the second time it will get better. And I've learned that now as a songwriter, as a producer, vocal producer, when I put my foot down, even though it might cause a fight in the beginning, and that's not comfortable because there's no one, you know, I'm definitely not the type that loves conflict. You know what I mean? So I'm definitely like a people pleaser. But when it comes down to doing that, it's so interesting to see the response you get, because as much as it may light a fire for the first couple of days, usually if they really want the record or if they really want whatever, they're always going to come back. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, as an artist, if you want to put your foot down and also, okay, on the flip side, 
you have to re recognize this. If you have one shot to show people what you can do, not even one shot, but a couple shots or whatever it is, and you put the wrong music out that you don't believe in and it fails, like you fail on their terms, not yours. And that's a massive thing, right? So you have to think like you still want to put in the world what you truly in your heart believe in because otherwise you're not actually going to stand by and I think of all these things where it comes down to the manifestation and the universe and all these things that like are you making what you're supposed to make and I think if you don't feel that and doing it just on somebody else's terms you're not going to ever feel good about it even if it's successful because guess what you're going to have to if it's successful that means that's now you and that's even worse yeah, then you're conforming to something that's like not true to yourself. Yeah, so at some point it's going to blow up, right? Because it's like, think about that. You're going to make a single that everyone's going to know you for and they're going to expect you to deliver something else like that, you know? Yeah, and I think what you said too, you know, it's like you wish you could help so many young people getting into the industry to know these things. But a lot of times it is that like life experience. You have to learn these things on your own. And I think also we've talked about on our podcast, there's such a scarcity mindset around the music industry. It's like, well, if I don't say yes, I'm going to miss a opportunity you're like somebody else is gonna get right. it like somebody else is gonna say yes if I don't say yes yeah I mean that's the thing and like I guess that's what I mean is like based on that alone people prey on that yeah. yeah they know that that's the whole reason is like they take that and it's like this blood sucking mentality of being like okay cool I know that well I know what power I have over you so let me take it whereas mm -hmm. if you don't have power then what do they have because yeah. I mean we lose that one opportunity but does that mean 10 other opportunities will come at you probably if the music's going to be that good and you believe in yourself and you feel like what you're trying to do it may not happen here maybe the next but it's it happen at some point and you'll probably feel so much better for it you know because I know again speaking in experience like if I had to move the way that I move now with the experience I have now back then I feel like it would have looked very different but again on the flip side it's not always easy if you don't have the experience it's such as life right people could give you advice all they want about anything right yeah if you bad relationship and they say well obviously all the red flags are there and you're still staying in the relationship so you're like no you're wrong and then you realize oh they were right the whole time <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> you know like it's it's a tricky thing because you can give the advice but you still in some sense have to live it and understand it but I think to know that it's something that's very real and works and hear that from people that have done it is still valuable for people to hear that you know what I mean yeah I completely agree and I feel like there's been so many quote unquote horror stories that have come out recently about artists trapped in deals for like years to decades being only <laughs> like only being able to either like release feature tracks or release songs because they leaked them themselves in the Mickey Guyton situation where she put it on her Instagram story and the fans loved it and the record label was like, ah, shit, I guess we have to put it out. I feel like young kids coming up now and going into these things, even if they don't have the know-how, kind of are like, I know you're sneaky. So they at least know that and they're kind of prepared <laughs> to, to deal with that situation. Yeah, listen, I mean, I can speak, the way I can speak in experience, I was on a label for seven years and I put out one song and one EP in seven years. Yeah. Literally crazy. Because if you think about that, it's like you need to be every month to, you know, engage an audience, you know, and, and obviously with TikTok, you have the ability to tease your songs and figure out what your fans want to hear and those type of things. So I think it's different today, obviously, for that reason, because you have a little bit more power in that sense, right? You can be like, okay, you can try to like not put this out or if you don't agree with me, let me just show you that my fans want to hear it. So in that sense, it's a good thing, much better than it was before. But then obviously it's still, I mean, it, it is hard, right? Because it's still up to you to be able to get that audience and 
hard to build that. But again, more to the power of you being your own hustler, taking your career into your own hands and not relying on other people to make them your like circus pet or whatever. <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? Or puppet yeah. or whatever. Taking charge of your own career. It's massive. If you have a vision and no one else sees it and you want to explore that now is such a great time for that. And, and yes, it might take more work and you may have to do it alone. But if you truly believe in it, then I think that it's worth that because you can just build that on your own and be able to show the people, the powers that be or the gatekeepers that they're wrong. And I think that's cool. And I feel like there is a ton of pressure and like has been maybe hopefully not as much, but there has been a ton of pressure forever for specifically female pop stars to like fit in a box and feel like they need to do a certain thing. And I mean, you've spoken before on other podcasts about how you're really thankful that you didn't start your career in LA because LA seems to have an even more intense hustle culture and pressure. And so do you think that the pressure LA puts on these people has a role in number one, the way young women are treated in the music industry, but also how they view themselves and their ability to have power in the situation yeah no absolutely I, I really do think that just because LA specifically it's so competitive and people move to LA to seek out their dreams right so a lot of times as much as you may have a vision your vision can be clouded by that and you think you know you can completely change who you are if you're not grounded enough going to LA so I was grateful for the fact that I was able to develop in Canada because I think for me coming to LA was a time where I was like more prepared for that but I think had I grown up in LA and felt that energy it may have been different just because you know people so easily want to follow trends and that's not typically what creates a career that can sustain for a long time just because it's something unique to make everybody you know it's like that's what makes a person unique you know what I mean like you want to be able to be like okay this I like this artist because they speak to me in a way that no one else does you know that takes bravery and that's hard sometimes being in LA and also too for a woman you know it's like the age thing it's like all of a sudden you're 22 and it's too old and that's crazy you know what I mean oh my god I'm 22 like my life is over and you're like oh like that's such a crazy thing and honestly younger than that I went through that my whole career it's like you turn 19 and that's even like old meaning that like if you're not 16 17 and you don't do it and you don't blow up then it's like oh well you can still have a career but it just can't be massive in that voice in your head constantly is draining you know it's like how can it not get to you it's very hard to be able to take that and be like okay I don't care sort of like not listen to all the noise it's very hard person to do that in general I think oh definitely it's such a weird concept to think of especially as I've gotten older thinking about like that age limit that there seems to be in Hollywood because it's like every generation likes music and wants music and especially as you get older people sometimes want to retire and like if there's no singers in like a certain age bracket all you're going to be getting and like Olivia Rodrigo's Sour was an incredible album but not everybody's going to be able to relate to that and so it's like if there's a bunch of 40 year old singers retiring and nobody's singing songs for that age demo what are they gonna have if they want something to relate to you know no I 100% and by the way it's not necessarily entertainment it's very much a music thing because in in like the acting world it's not as relevant you know why because for exactly what you said it's there's every movie or every show has different age groups of you know it's like you, you don't just have a sh every show with only a certain age group you want to see their life you want to portray what is so for music it, it happens to be really weird in that sense and I think it said something like that, that I think people really related to where it's like people in their 30s and 40s to your point want to listen to music that they can relate to because there's a certain element of pain that they've experienced that maybe younger people haven't experienced yet you know what I mean yeah 
no this is really interesting i feel like i haven't thought about it in this light before and it being very very specific to the music industry but also what you were saying made me think about how there's also this double standard for women of like you hit a certain age and it's like ooh, if you're not married like what are you doing and then it's like ooh, if you're not having babies what are you gonna do but then it's like <laughs> if you're a pop star it's like you better not have a baby but then also if you don't have a baby you just cannot win if you're struggling to lose weight you've probably heard about weight loss medications like wigovi or zepbound and you might be wondering if they're right for you meet plush care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey if you qualify they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home to get started visit plushcare.com slash weight loss that's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss Wyndham hotels and resorts makes travel possible for all whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee a roomier rest for the on a whim road trippers or a place to make summer memories with the whole family no matter who you are where you're going or why with 24 trusted brands to choose from like la quinta days in and super eight your Wyndham is waiting get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. restrictions apply visit website for more details you can't no absolutely it's so true and it's like if you want to be a career woman then it's like okay you have to spend a certain amount of time developing that and so in that you're sacrificing other things that in society is like kind of frowned upon and, and that's just something that unfortunately women have to deal with you know what i mean but in the same respect i think it makes you stronger and again going back to the fact that like having music that relates to like a 30 40 year old demo it's like that's the type of things that i feel like women want to hear because it's like you want to feel fired that they're not the only ones going through it to be like okay if i want a career i don't want to have a baby i don't want to be married but i feel like this is my path i want to feel like i'm not alone and i don't want to feel like that means i'm failing for whatever reason right and there's people that can say that in their music and speak to you in that sense so i think that is still a universal thing that people can relate to yeah and i mean we just saw halsey did this with their album i mean they just had a baby they were talking all about womanhood and their pregnancy and just like changing emotions and then they did that great interview with zane low where they were talking about this exact double standard so it's like nice to see that we do have people out there recognizing this and actively challenging these stereotypes no, absolutely. And I think the more that you do this, the more that some of this will be received. I mean, this has been in something that has been going on for so long that you can't expect it to be like this all of a sudden overnight thing where, you know, it's going to change. But also like women are biologically different, right? It's like we're more emotional. There's a lot of things that contribute to why women are the way that they are. It's just in some senses, like I, I think that it's good to embrace that. But in terms of feeling like you have to dim your light or feel weaker like that should not be a thing you know what I mean but there are certain aspects of being a woman that are different than being a, a man which is okay and I think that should be fine right but it just it shouldn't look at in the sense that it's like a sense of weakness is what I'm saying it should be like a thing that's like okay yeah that's that's like a it's a power you know Oh, yeah. And like, that's the thing that's always so frustrating. And I feel like <laughs> Jenna and I yell about this a lot is women seem to be viewed as weak for the dumbest reasons that actually like prove that we're strong is that like we have um, emotional knowledge and we know how to deal with these things. And like, 
men need to have video games or golf in order to go and speak (laughs) with their friends about their mental health. (laughs) And so it's just like, so funny that in the music industry, there's like, oh, you'll age out so quickly. Or, oh, if you get pregnant, you might get a call from your, like, cause Halsey in that same low thing was like, yeah, I got a call from my manager or like person at the label. And when I told him I was pregnant, there was just like this pause where I was terrified that they were going to be like, no, you're not. Cause then your career is over. And the fact that that was a fear that she had and that women in the industry have that it's just like it's crazy when we even though percentage comparatively of like women in the top 100 on billboard charts is like a smaller percent than men I feel like the music women is putting out is so much more powerful and so much more spoken about yeah and I think that also too in terms of the emotional intellect it's like you have to think when it comes down to songwriting or being creative it's like there's something that's so beautiful about that you know, and, and from younger females coming up, there's such a strong relatability to that. And I think that's something a woman can relate to more than a man in, in, in a way. And not to say that it has to be a comparison, because I don't even want that necessarily to be to what this is about. But there's just some aspects that I think women can bring out of even a man or a woman that's different than a man can bring from a man or a man can bring from a woman. You know what I mean? It's just it's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. quality. And I think those things are very valuable. Yeah, I mean, they should be celebrated. We've talked about so much on our podcast, like growing up as a music listener and being a woman, it's like such a different and unique experience. And it's almost hard to put into words, but this whole fangirl mentality, which is like a lot of times really looked down upon, it's so special to love music like so purely and like, in this such this like wholesome way of connecting to it that like I don't know that like a lot of other people necessarily relate to in that way. And I think, and this is to say that like men don't enjoy music or can't enjoy music you know because i think we each have like this what you're saying is we each have these like special things to ourselves and like that should all be celebrated and all be recognized no yeah definitely a hundred percent i i think it's not about anybody you know men or women like who's like winning the race it's just about the fact that recognizing what women do bring to the table in the sense of like not feeling like okay because you're a woman it, it should always feel like it's like a hundred times harder, you know what I mean? Which it is, but I think that <laughs> I think that there's just so much value that people don't necessarily feel like is tangible sometimes, you know? Yeah, yeah. Another criticism that we often talk about is this idea of the industry plans. And this was like kind of like a very topic, especially on TikTok this year. But for some reason, people seem to be obsessed with this idea that unless they know your exact origin story, they're like, ooh, they're an industry plant. Like Billie Eilish has been called an industry plant, Lord, Lana Del Rey. But we also know that like artist development deals are a real thing that happen. And sometimes artists want to remake their personas a la Lana Del Rey. So what are your thoughts on this industry plant discourse and why it seems to be like unfairly and like mostly targeted at women? I just think it's a jealousy thing. Unfortunately, I think it's a jealousy thing. I think that even sometimes women get trapped into that behavior too, where it's like programmed to be like, oh, if they have something that they must have, be privileged or they must be. And so it makes you feel like you hate them, which, and you want to say something that makes yourself feel better. It's kind of like that. And I think it's kind of like, sadly, like a human nature quality that you have to sort of fight off, yeah. you know, it's, but it's related to anything really in life, right? It's like, if you feel like somebody won the prize over you, you're like, well, why did they win it? Like, what did they have that I didn't have? Just like, you know what I mean? It's like this whole thing. And I, I'm sure you guys experienced it too. I did as a kid. And you feel like you, you lose friends for it. And people are like, you know, you in school, you get made fun of and you're like, oh, it's, and you think you don't understand that it's a jealousy thing until you become an adult and realize it, you know? 
Yeah, definitely. The industry plant conversation is just so interesting because as you just said, like you were signed to a label for a long time and they were like, oh, we'll put one song out. And so you have these artists who, especially now with the internet, fans will go back and like dig in and be like, they were actually signed for like four years before this this came out like they clearly like their parents got them this deal and that's why they're here and it's just so wild how much people would prefer there to be a conspiracy theory behind an artist rather than to be understanding that like their favorite artist possibly got signed on a shitty deal or was working with people who just didn't see their vision in the same way until their vision became popular no, I know. It's like, and again, that's something I really do think that all boils down to jealousy. If you think about yeah. it, like I was bullied in junior high school and high school. And I know that at that time I didn't realize why that was. And it was like, oh, you, you think it's all about you. But like later on, you look back at it and you realize, oh, maybe it was because I was doing something different and they wanted to just like find a way to make them feel better. And I think in the sense of saying industry plan, it's the same sort of thing. It feels the same way where you just mm-hmm. kind of justify it can make them sleep better at night right it's like it feels like that same sort of notion yeah like you're just trying to discredit them because you can't believe that somebody could possibly be this good on their own and possibly have the success i think also with like internet culture now it just makes it so easy for people to like all hop on the bandwagon like yeah they're an industry plant or like sending hate or whatever it is online now it's just way too easy to just everyone to glom on to like this one idea exactly especially now i think as much as so much has changed on being online a lot of the actual human nature aspect has not changed yeah (laughs) yeah we've definitely seen the the worst of it come out online And speaking of that, you have your own podcast called The Green Room, where you're talking with prominent female artists and being open and raw about mental health struggles and careers in the music industry, which I think is really necessary because a lot of people, like fans especially, don't get to hear that side of things. And like we said, they'll be loud and angry about stuff they don't get on the internet. And so having these artists on to be open and candid is pretty amazing. And it's an incredible step forward in like just the mental health advocacy discourse. And it gives fans and access to people that's usually completely inaccessible and so like do you think speaking candidly to these artists in an open forum that fans have access to like helps make them into more three-dimensional people for their fans so it like helps number one again that mental health discourse but also help bridge this gap in creating a healthy relationship between artists and fans a hundred percent. That's why I wanted to do it because I think growing up and looking at your favorite artists and thinking, oh, their life is so perfect and that is exactly what I want. And to come to realize they're struggling with the same things that you are is a pretty crazy thing, you know? And I think mm-hmm. as a songwriter and to be able to experience you know, writing a song and the best songs that you write are about certain mental health experiences. It can be anything though. Like I always mentioned, like it doesn't always have to be so severe. It can be any sort of thing but a lot of times writing very much feels like a therapy session you know and I always thought that which is why I was like oh the green room backstage like really understanding the nucleus of a, a person and what they go through to be them and I think that the, the the conversation of that is really amazing between me and the the artist or what and bringing into the fans for for them to be their idols to hear their idols say that must be humanizing you Mm -hmm. know like if I had access to my favorite artists who I looked up to at the time whether it be like Mariah Carey or Brandy or whoever and I heard them say that 
I would be like, oh my God, that's so relieving. And I know that they would have had the same sort of, like, I just know it now listening to their music and like understanding the music industry more that, that there would have been an aspect of that, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. And to hear their idols talk about that, even what we're t- saying today, women being objectified or many things that we have to go through, I think to be able to have those conversations and not feel ashamed about it is pretty cool, you know? And in terms of the green room, having like an actual therapist or, you know, a life coach on to actually be like a moderator and be able to actually speak in an edge forum about these things that are real, you know, it helps everyone. I think it just connects in a way that feels very human. I love that. Like what you said, three-dimensional makes you feel real, which I love, like, which is harder these days online because everything's so smoke and mirrors programmed to be these like very unrealistic versions of ourselves. Yeah, I mean, well, that's also kind of what I was going to say. It is so hard to be vulnerable online. Like, it is so hard. As much as you can try to be authentic, like, you can be authentic and still not be vulnerable online. And I think, like you said, you know, with the Green Podcast, but also in the writing room, that's so important to be able to, like, have people you trust in close working relationships when you're making music and even just, like, on your team in general. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And I think you're so right. Like, you can be authentic, but there's a certain element of, like, making authentic feel entertaining. You know what I mean? So it's not just, like, an authenticity thing where you're just, like, genuinely being completely authentic. There's a way that you have to be like, okay, how am I going to captivate an audience? Which is why it's like, okay, can there be a platform or something where you can genuinely just be completely authentic? What does that look like? What does that sound like? What does that feel like? That's writing a song is, you know, or performing in it to some extent, right? It's like, yes, there's a show and there's choreography and things involved, but there's also a certain element of purging and emotion that feels very intuitive and innate. Yeah, definitely. And I think also like, this isn't scientifically proven, but just based off of being on TikTok and the internet, like we're at like an all time high of parasocial relationships getting completely out of hand, just of people either creating false ideas of who a person is because they're not super open or just people being really attached to artists they don't know. So I feel like in you having a podcast like The Green Room and having these open conversations and also having the mental health professionals there, it becomes so much more obvious and like harder to kind of number one be mad at your faves for like not meeting people or maybe canceling tours or whatever needs to be when you take your mental health seriously but I think also sort of helps again humanizing these people and parasocial relationships are never going to go away but making those relationships less toxic if that makes sense no yeah definitely and and that's 100% why I wanted to create that because I feel like it closed the gap a little bit I mean listen it's not an overnight thing but it's definitely that I feel like has a cathartic aspect to it for me and for whoever's listening and for the guest completely agree I mean all, all of this everything we're talking about today it's like it's an ongoing process and as you said it's not an overnight thing and I mean it's really great to have like these conversations with people like you because it's like we're on the same page like we're all working towards the same goal and then like as you said earlier there's still people in the industry who like see younger people who are vulnerable and like see that as an opportunity to like take advantage of them and considering like the gender disparity we still have in the music industry like within our little bubble it's so nice to see that like, we're empowering each other but then like, sometimes you look at the big picture you're like oh there's a long way to go I know exactly but you know what I don't really look at that as being straight anymore because I think the sense of having a long way to go is honestly inspiring because you think okay like it's a challenge and you want to continue to like as long as you're moving forward right you don't want to be back 
difference. So as long as you're trying to make a difference in whatever you're doing, you feel like you're doing it in an authentic way that speaks the things that you want to speak. It's like every day feels like, okay, let me just continue plugging this forward. Even in a music sense, right? It's like you can be the biggest artist in the world, but it doesn't mean that you've ever arrived. I never believe in that sense of arriving because I think at that sense, you're facing, you don't want to feel like that. You want to feel yeah. like you're doing to make a difference in whatever you're doing. And I think mm-hmm. that all these conversations relate back to that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a really good outlook on it because I feel like sometimes Jenna and I do get overwhelmed. We're like, wow, we've bitten off a lot more than we can chew and <laughs> say we want to fix all these disparities in the industry. But it's like, again, like talking to somebody like you and just talking to any of the guests we've had on the podcast and realizing our small steps forward are still small steps forward. They're moving forward and they're opening up discourse and conversation amongst friends and other professionals in the industry. And just like, if those conversations keep happening, that's how you see bigger steps from like the small step you initiated. Exactly. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I have to remind myself that every day to be like, okay, cool. Like this, this isn't about changing the world in one day. You have to just build a conversation and feel like you're moving forward. I mean, that's the only thing is like when you start to move backwards in your own perspective goals or things that you're trying to achieve is when you can, it's hard, but if you, as long as it's like on your path and you're feel like every day you wake up and you feel like you're making steps to move forward. I think that's a positive thing. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of people being mad about nothing, we do want to talk about BTS and Butter for a second. (laughs) So of course, you know, BTS has a lot of success this year and much thanks to the song Butter that she wrote with them. And so, you know, this summer when it was topping the Hot 100 for a very, very long time, we also saw some criticisms from just like music critics in general saying that their fan base army was like quote unquote gaming the system by like streaming the song to number one which it's like the billboard charts made the rules and the fans were just following the rules so that's a little silly but i was just curious as a songwriter i'm sure you're super close to the song and proud of the work that you've done does it feel weird to like see your song out in the world but also have this ulterior like narrative around it that like the critics have assigned it that has nothing to do with like the actual song itself not really like i don't think it's funny as an artist i feel like i was always trained to not look at that like you don't look at the comments i want to feel like again going back to that like if you allow yourself into that rabbit hole of feeling that like it's just negative like there's no reason you want to focus on the positive things and you want to be able to like again like we said move forward like I don't want to focus on the things that will detract from what's going to take you to the next point so I think that for me in that song I'm just like excited about the great things that it's achieved right and you don't want to focus on the negative things and I think that's nature too people are like oh I have like all this stuff going on but like one tiny thing it's like you could have like one nail chipped and be like that's your focus like I don't want to try hard not to have that be the narrative right and I think that that helps me to get up in the morning and feel more inspired to go about my day you know what I mean yeah no definitely I mean it's how you decide to look at life because it's such a choice like you just said do you choose to focus on the chips nail or do you choose to focus on the rest of your amazing day and I think that really affects like how people navigate through life but also I mean going back to online comments do you ever feel like there's times where you just like need to step away and be like I don't need to be a part of whatever conversation is happening about this right now this is happening over there I'm gonna separate myself from that yeah 100% I mean think about it it's like you could literally have 
a thousand people tell you you look amazing and then the one person tell you you look so bad and that's all you focus on. Or you have a song that everyone's like, oh my God, it's the best song ever. We love it. And then like one person like says something they're like, this is the worst song ever made. You can't focus on that. At the end of the day, like also something to be said about art is like if you don't have different opinions in the love and hate factor people don't feel affected by it in a way that doesn't always have to be like we love it that's what art is you have to be able to accept that the fact that when you're making art people are going to receive it differently you know like that is a part of making art yeah you're never gonna please everybody like in everything you do art being online having opinions you're never gonna please everybody want to is the minute you're gonna become mediocre and I think being a Canadian person, like in, in being a people pleaser, that's something that I constantly work on just because it's like the second that you feel like, okay, I'm going to have 10 people in the room and they're going to be very different people. I want to impress all of you means that then I lose my sense of uniqueness, right? Like how is that or individuality? Because obviously to be able to do something that all 10 people are going to love in the same way is impossible. So I just feel like it's something that you constantly have to remind yourself of. And just because two of them hate what you do doesn't mean that it's not good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Online discourse, <laughs> online discourse is a mess. And I feel like everybody obviously is going to have an opinion. We do an opinion podcast. So obviously yeah, we know. Know. Right, exactly. Sometimes I'm like, I wish people could just stop having opinions online. And Sarah was like, but then our podcast wouldn't exist. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> fair. <laughs> And I'm like, they're educated opinions, but... The opinions are good. I mean, listen, it's 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 definitely like I appreciate it because we want that. I mean, at the end of the day, it's fine. Like to hear what other people, it's interesting to me. If anything, I'm like saying how people are receiving it in a way that I wouldn't even know, like they would receive. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like if people all had the same opinion, like you were saying with music, music would be boring. And it's the same thing with discourse. Discourse would just stop if there was no reason to like have a rebuttal or other thoughts. You know? Exactly there's just so much to it and so I do have a question that's kind of off topic to this but it's as you are are a songwriter it's something that I must ask so we've done two episodes on this podcast about like the underlying misogyny that pops up in lots of song lyrics from Taylor Swift's Better Than Revenge to like literally any pop punk song that's ever existed and there's like layers to how obvious this misogyny is and recently Jenna and I both have been like very frustrated with Stay by Just Justin Bieber and Kid Leroy and how it kind of romanticizes toxic relationships. And we're like, it's 2021. You could have maybe had a woman involved in the songwriting process. Nine people are listed as songwriters on this song. But so like when you go into writing sessions with other people or like even working with male artists, do you have to put your foot down to avoid these misogynistic tropes or like the fact that you are you is enough power in the room for that not to happen? Or like, what is it like being a female songwriter? in a world of stay by Justin Bieber. Oh my God. No, I mean, it doesn't hurt to become, like obviously when you have more legs behind you and you have credits, like it does feel different, but it doesn't change in that sense. Like you still, if you're the only female in a, in a male run room, you still feel like in a sense, like, Okay, it's not even like a in a like in the sense that they're like, oh, your ideas aren't good. It's just that what I really find is that guys really have such a different viewpoint on everything. And females, it's challenging because you're like, what you think 
sometimes what a guy wants to say is something that a girl doesn't think about. So that's something that I've also been mindful in the sense that I'm like, oh, okay, well, like, that's interesting to me. So there's also an art to be able to step back and understand what that is as well. Because if you think about it, there's a reason why I've been really good working with young females or females in general, because I feel like I relate so deeply to what I feel like we want to say authentically in the same way that guys relate to each other in terms of what they want to say, right? As much as we may be like, oh, this is like a topic that feels very polarizing or may not feel comfortable in that sense, but it's still real. And like, I think like, if you think about a lot of the songs that The Weeknd has wrote or like, you know, those are a lot of guys too, but at the, at the same time, like guys relate to that and there's an audience for that. So you can't necessarily, I have to look at it sometimes like that. And there's a difference between being objectified or feeling like not respected by men versus something that feels natural you know so i think that there's something authentic about certain songs that all men write because i think it relates to a real thing and i think people relate to that you know what i mean as much as that you have to realize it's still music something authentic that i feel like you still understand like people are going to relate to something that feels honest whether it be polarizing or not Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. And I feel like it's that same thing where like, when we've done these episodes, it's like the song's good. The song makes points. It's just kind of mean to us. There's an honesty to it. I'm always about like, okay, what is the like, let's not fake it. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that we should be saying that like, okay, be mean. It's not about that. It's about what does this artist want to say or represent? And it's like in that certain element, can a girl say that in the same way? Like, sure. You know, like, and maybe they can in some instances, I think what a girl wants to hear a guy say is pretty cool. So when a girl can like, when I can express, oh, this is a cool thing. They're like, oh yes. And then it can relate to a woman in a way that they wouldn't understand how to relate to a woman. There's a lot of different ways you can go about it. But the more I do this, the more I realize like there's a reason sometimes where females relate to each other so much differently than men relate to each other. Yeah. And I think that's also going back to like the vulnerability thing we talked about of being comfortable. It's not like you're only ever going to be comfortable with people the same gender, but just being around people who have the same understanding as you, same perspective, background as you, you're always going to have that special connection with them yeah and I think about it it's like as funny as it sounds it's like if you're going to be in a room full of guys and there's you and a female artist right Mm -hmm. or whatever okay not even female artists just me and 10 guys am I going to be like hey guys do you have a tampon like no do you know what I mean it's just like I'm just being real it's like if there's a girl you think that the girl is going to be like oh hey who's she going to ask first I mean there's certain things that are like it's fine it's just like part of the, it's an honesty factor. It's like, it's just life. Sometimes there's certain things that guys do and girls do differently and that's okay. You know what I mean? Like if a guy says something to a girl and it may be completely fine and not inappropriate at all, but it can come across inappropriate just in the pure fact that he's a guy. So in a sense, there's something cool about that. Like, you know what I mean? Like I always look at every session differently, whether I'm with a, just girls which is not that common, obviously, but like if there's like, because usually it's a mix of people, but like there's always a reason why a girl will become closer to a girl in the room because it's like, obviously it's comforting. If you're that close to a guy, it's always like, oh, am I being too flirty? Is this like weird? It's guys, same thing. Like say something so innocent and the girl might be like, wait, that's inappropriate. Yeah. But like, that may not always be the case. So if a guy says something, a lyric to a guy, they're not going to be like, yeah, but if a guy says a lyric to a girl, they're like, oh, wait, why would, you know what I mean? It's just like, you can't, you have to still understand that, which is, I think I've written enough rooms to understand. It's not always a guy's fault. It's not always like a thing. It's just purely based on the fact that he's a man and I'm a woman. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and I think also touching on, like we kind of mentioned this earlier, but taking in as we grow up, like so from our society and what is normalized and what we learn in our households and what we learn in our neighborhoods. And I think you were mentioning this about like the bullying thing or like being jealous of other people. There's other things of our podcast talk a lot about sexism, misogyny, racism, all these things like we grow up with and we have to actively unlearn. Like nobody's ever going to be 100% perfect at everything. And I think like you just said, if there's those awkward situations occasionally where like somebody says something and you're like, wait, what are you talking about? It's like a learning opportunity for everyone involved. Exactly. And that's always how I look at it. It's 100% always a learning opportunity to understand how to go into the next thing with a better perspective. You know what I mean? So like, and again, it's like, I always try to really go with my gut and my intuition in terms of is this coming from a place of like bad intention? Or is it just something that just feels like, okay, this may feel uncomfortable, but it's not on purpose that just may just like by nature feel uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I think it's like that thing where I guess like my perspective on it has always been like when somebody's been in the industry for so long, they should have met (laughs) enough women at one point, just like have one in the room to like make the song a little softer. But also that's just like me wanting more women involved in the soup making of the music industry, because I'm just like, there's not enough because like the stats all the time when we're pulling the stats, it's like 12%, 8% and all this stuff. And I'm like, there's not enough women in the room where it happens so to say and so then when the songs do come out and you're like why are there nine people on this song (laughs) when it's kind of mean (laughs) there's no women involved who missed the mark there but by the way 100% I'm all for that and like I'm always like I'm the person that wants to empower women the most but like I'm as somebody that's authentic and honest and wants to be like real with the way they feel you also have to be honest about the way that people interact and you can't always just be like oh it's a misogyny issue like because sometimes not you know what I mean but by the way I completely agree with you I of course I'm on every level but at the same time I also understand how men relate and how women relate and when it comes down to making this song sometimes you have to think of the art before you think about those aspects as, as, as long as it's all the lines aren't being crossed in a weird way right yeah. so it's a very like gray area in my opinion yeah, that makes complete sense yeah but in terms of just having more women in the industry or not feeling like there's a weak you know when it, w- the creative thing is way different than the business thing okay like yeah. if you're creating I don't feel that as much as I feel like on a business angle women get cheated on I think yeah. that in that sense that's a lot harder for women because I think typically women get the bad end of the stick in that sense of like okay well she's a woman so she, well, how could she produce or how could she be the one that engineered the things that are really a man's job then I'm fully with it but when it comes to creative it's fine sometimes a guy's gonna want to relate to another guy more than he's gonna relate to a girl and in, in what he wants to say for whatever reason yeah. and like you blame him for that and to some extent you know what I mean? Yeah. So I take it from all angles. No, that definitely makes a lot of sense because it's like there are songs that guys are going to relate to. It's not like guys don't listen to music. I think that there's always that mindset of like when a song is pop, a good percentage, like a higher percentage of the listener is going to be female. Like, and that's my own personal bias. I don't know if that's a factual statement. So it's just (laughs) always kind of funny to me when there's these pop songs and the guys are singing from a very male perspective. And I'm like, pop music's for the girlies. (laughs) How dare you? But God, girls want to hear certain things from guys' perspectives. So, like, you have to remember that. Like, it's like there's a certain element of like, um, how do I explain it? Like, I think there's 
that like lustfulness thing that girls want to hear a guy say as much as they may not know that they want to hear say it, them say it, they want to hear them say it. So I think in a song perspective, maybe one night they're going out, they want to hear a guy sing that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's why big bands exist. Exactly. So it's like, it's not to condone like certain things. Like it's really not, but to think about like how a girl feels when they're going out and how they want a guy to be. Sometimes it is that. So we just have to be able to respect honesty as long as it doesn't, again, cross into weird boundaries that dims your light or makes you feel weak. Well, I do think like this has been such an informative conversation. So we really appreciate your time to talk to us, especially because like songwriting is such a thing that's often happens behind closed doors and people like understand the process or understand the perspective. So we definitely appreciate you sharing your perspective on Name Three Songs. And so just kind of like wrap things up nicely. Do you have any projects you're working on that you're excited about that people should be looking out for? Yeah, I know I do. I So I'm developing this girl with my partner, Stephen Kirk, that I did better with. He with Jesse Murph. Actually, there's a song called All of You that just came out today. It was like, it's gotten like 85,000 videos on TikTok and like it's already the top 10 on iTunes. And I, it's like half a million streams in less than 24 hours, which uh-huh. for a new art, amazing. So it's like, you should check it out. It's really cool. She's an amazing artist. So we did the last song she put out, Sobriety. And then we did this song. This song is like very, it has a lot of heart in it. So you should definitely check it out if you haven't heard it already. And then one of my best friends in life, this girl, Buddha Tiger, she's from New York, plays bass. She's amazing. I work on a lot of her stuff. So I just had a song come out called Blondes. I have another song coming out with her soon. And then I, uh, the Marry Me soundtrack has finally been announced, which is exciting. I worked on this song for it that I think opens the movie and it comes out on Valentine's Day. So that's, that's cool too. Awesome. Lots of exciting things in the work. So we'll have the songs you mentioned as well as your social media handles linked in our description below. So if any of our listeners want to go check it out and follow you for more, they can do that. And once again, big thank you for joining us. Yay. Thank you guys so much. This has been amazing. I love this combo. I can't believe we're all besties now. (laughs) I love my new best friend, Jenna. (laughs) It's so exciting. And I feel like for you guys who listen, you probably are like, what are you talking about? All of your episodes with guests are amazing. But it's always really exciting when there's like a really good rapport with a guest, especially when we haven't met before. So I feel like it was just super exciting how well that went. (laughs) And it flowed so well. And I feel like we covered some stuff that I wasn't expecting to cover too. Oh yeah, definitely. No, that was great. Cause I mean, like a lot of times, you know, our episodes are very themed and like very planned out. And so we tend to have a lot of journalist type guests who are kind of more in that mindset of things. So when we have guests on and it's more like an interview style, it's always our goal to have like, an open discussion and be able to like reach new territories that maybe we haven't before. And like I said this a minute ago, but it's so great being able to talk to like Jenna as a songwriter, because that's a part of the industry that you and I don't have any insight into. Yeah, for sure. And it's really cool to get a completely different perspective. As you said, like when we have such strong feelings about certain things from a fan and journalist standpoint, hearing somebody else's mindset when they work behind the scenes in a different way and have such close relationships with artists and being an artist themselves, it's like such a different perspective to bring to the conversation. Do you hate Stay by Justin Bieber and Kid Leroy a little less? <laughs> I feel like she rationalized it, but also I'm like terrified of how much power she had while she was rationalizing it. I feel like that was a perspective I never ever would have really thought of because like I said when we were talking with her, it's like my mindset has always been like pops for the girls. 
So why are they making songs that will make girls think that their toxic boyfriend is being loving, you know? But when she has the perspective of it's the group of men who like pop music and perform pop music, they obviously aren't thinking of pops only for girls, (laughs) which it's not, but... Yeah. I mean, I feel like we were talking more in like a broad sense too, but even just with like the example of stay, like being a toxic person in a relationship isn't unique to men. Women can do it too. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, as we say all the time, like, there's so many layers to everything. There's so many perspectives to everything. And it's not always, like, as crystal clear as I think we want it to be about Mm -hmm. how things work and how things are. But, like, it was... I think really eye-opening and kind of like affirming to our mission that a lot of what she said about working in the industry and the expectations, especially of women in the industry, were like very on par with what we've discussed ourselves and with other journalists on the podcast. So I feel like to me, I was like, okay, that proves that what we're doing here means something and it's hopefully opening discourse that obviously needs to be open. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we said this during the episode too, but it's like, it's so amazing to be able to connect with people who are kind of on the same wavelength as you and like are fighting the same fight and Mm -hmm. like believing in the same things together, like knowing you're not going at it alone. And there's other people in this industry in different parts of the industry who are right there with you and like that's very empowering yeah definitely so i mean if you guys have any thoughts about what we talked about with jenna today if you want to continue the discussion with us you can do that over on social media we are at name three songs on instagram or twitter or if you have any personal beef as per usual you can come at us personally i am at sarah underscore fagan and jenna is at jenna underscore million so thanks so much for joining us this week on name three songs and until next time never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band And remember, you're never too cool to listen to songs written by Jenna Andrews. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help. If you want to find out more about anything we talked about today, you can visit Name3Songs.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work, limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.